0: and proposal emails and so much more. All you gotta do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're gonna send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're gonna get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast here on episode 205. We are glad that you are here. Glad you are joining us. Got a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking with a student who has gone through some of our different programs and uh, the journey that they have taken as they uh, continue to build and grow their own speaking business. Now, before we get to that, make sure that if you haven't already, check out our tool agent. This is a free tool with a list of over a thousand different events, a database with over a thousand different events of people that are looking for speakers, all right? So if you haven't already checked this out, again, it's a totally free database, free tool that you can check out by going over to myspeakeragent.com, myspeakeragent.com. we got a lot of people who've been using that, a lot of people getting results from it. So again, totally free. We want to hook you up, myspeakeragent.com. Make sure you check that out. All right, so today we are talking with Jake Thompson who has gone through our elite program. Uh, we're going to be talking through today with how he has worked to figure out who his audience is and 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 how to make it appeal to a, a wide range of groups and how to narrow that down as well. We'll also talk about how he battles discouragement in the business. Part of the being a speaker is you have lots of highs and lots of lows. So we talked that through. We also talk about how he hustles to expand his business without being overwhelmed or spreading himself too thin. So Lots of good stuff here. We do. I'll just tell you, we have a couple of little tech issues at times, so uh, hang through that. But uh, we try to try to work out those kinks as best as possible. But uh, I think we got most of it. But again, let's get right into it. Let's enjoy. Here's this conversation with Jake Thompson. What's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here, joined by my buddy, Mister Jake Thompson from Compete. Is it compete or compete every day? Which do you go by?
1: Compete every day.
0: Every day, not go with just. All- not just today, not just tomorrow, er day. Er day. Comp- you should shorten it to just compete er day.
1: I, you know, we have a shirt design that has that. I should drop that at some point. You Somebody made make it that as that a happen.
0: Joke. Make that happen. All right. <laughs> Jake has been a friend for several years. Uh, we crossed paths at a conference several years ago and have hung out several times and also recently joined one of our training programs for speakers. And it's fairly new in speaking and at least in getting started and building some momentum there and is definitely building some momentum. And so today I wanted to have Jake on to talk through kind of his story, his journey, his evolution up until this point, but also do a little bit of coaching. And uh, he said it was okay if I kicked his butt a little bit. So you still good with that? Still good, man. Let's roll. All right. So first of all, just for some context, let's back up for a second. You've run Compete Every Day for several years, which is uh, kind of a, uh, well, how would you describe it? Describe it as like an apparel lifestyle brand. How would you describe it?
1: Yeah, that's the best way to put it. You know, the core basis, it's tees and tanks and workout gear, but we try to really sell our story and brand that life is worth competing for. Right. So I started it with an idea back in 2011, started hawking t-shirts out of the back of my car behind a CrossFit gym, slowly building it from there. to now it's got a few legs. It's got more than just t-shirts. It's kind of built on a little bit more, but at the core basis, lifestyle brand is the best way to put it.
0: All right, cool. Sorry. You've got the t-shirts. At what point did you decide like, okay, the apparel stuff's fine. The apparel stuff's going well. But what point are you just like, I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued by this speaking thing, this random thing that that, that fits over there. Because I think the reason I ask is, I think there's a lot of people who are in a similar spot of I'm doing something and it's fun and I enjoy it, whether it's my own thing or I work for someone else. And it's not necessarily that I hate it, but I've always kind of been intrigued by this speaking thing. So where did that come from for you?
1: Ironically, I was laughing the other day with my mom that growing up, I was always told I was going to be a pastor or something along those lines. So yeah. making my way to a stage has has become that. But really for us going into the apparel, we I went so heavy on the brand and the brand story because I was going into such a crowded market that I knew I had to do something different. And so we focused really heavily on storytelling with the brand. And then it was in twenty. 14, actually, the start of 2014, Texas Children's Hospital, which is the largest hospital in the state for uh, children's focus, uh, somebody in their HR department called me and just said, hey, we want to buy some shirts. I'm like, Great. And she's like, we need a couple hundred. I'm like, whoa, okay. So let's let's talk. And turned out the head of HR, her son had found us on social media. She started following us because him fell in love with the brand and wanted to buy shirts for their entire staff for 2014 kicked off. Wow. And after we go through the process of doing the order, Marilyn, who's her executive assistant, is like, hey, we'd love you to come speak to our team. What's your fee? And I'm like, I don't have a fee. Like, you just buy 200 from me. Like, I'm coming to talk. If you'll just fly me to Houston. And she's like, great. So they set me up, flew me down there. I outlined this talk just about my journey and, and why I started the brand and what the brand really means. And when I finished talking to Linda and, and some of the team there, I, I was just like, not only inspired by their reactions and seeing kind of the click. Essentially, when you, you're you teaching something, you're sharing something, and you see the other person start to get it. When right. I saw that, I started to realize that there was another opportunity to impact people with what I wanted, with the message I shared beyond just shirts. Right. And so, had it kind of on the side, started talking at some local groups or some colleges here and there. But it wasn't really until about two and a half years ago when I started to see a shift in the fitness space that we were in, in terms of apparel, that you're either an influencer, heavily influencer, you're going overseas for production. And we had kind of gone the other route. We were building the brand and then essentially trying to make me an influencer on the side. And I felt that the best way for us to spread the message beyond just putting t-shirts on people was to start speaking and getting out there and sharing the story in a new way. And so it's really been about two and a half years, three years that I said I wanted to be good at this. You know, about a year or so, year and a half after we connected, probably, that I just felt I was called to use the stage as just additional channel to share a message.
0: Right, right. And so, outside looking in, it seems like you have been someone that, and again, we've you know, for context sake, like we've known each other for several years and and have hung out multiple times. And so, it seems like outside looking in that you're someone who you've been intrigued by speaking, you've been dabbling in speaking, kind of been one foot in, one foot out? And partly because I think you just, you just have a lot of other things on the plate. But it seems like recently, within the past six months or so, year or so, that you've really decided, okay, speaking is really where I want to go. So what's been the shift for you to really want to start to double down on speaking?
1: I think there's been a few things. One, I've never felt more natural doing something than on the stage. Like The rehearsal, the practice, the work, it's just Fun, mm-hmm. like it's absolutely fun to be on there. Uh, two, I understand the limited lifetime of a shirt. Uh, you know, the cost of goods business—it's a—it's a tough business. Every time you're you're buying a shirt to sell a shirt, and so margins are terrible, and and so you're very limited in terms of your reach and how many people you can touch and impact. And my goal is to impact as many mindsets as possible, and so. Really, that has been the shift of what do I ultimately want to do with my life and that speak, write, develop content that changes the way people think. And the best way for me to do that is not through a t-shirt. The t-shirt just becomes supplemental. And so when I firmly made that decision, looking at my business model, looking at where I ultimately wanted to be and what I really enjoyed doing and played off my strengths, then I decided to start investing and doubling down into the speaking space because I saw what could be.
0: Right. So where do you go from there of going like, okay, I've done a little bit of speaking. It's fun. I enjoy it. Okay, now I'm ready to get serious with it. And I want to start doubling down. What has been the process? What's been the process for you in the past, you know, six months, 12 months to start to get traction? Because I know, like with a lot of speakers, it takes a little bit to get traction, right? And it's one of those things that when we're excited about something, it's just like, we wake up Monday morning ready to to get after it. And it just takes a while. It's kind of, you know, you and I, we tease each other as it relates to like working out, right? And if you decide, all right, I'm ready to get in shape. It's not like Monday morning, you decide that and Tuesday morning, you're in shape. Like it just takes a while to get going. And a lot of it comes down to how much work you're putting into and the systems and structure that you're following. So what's been the process for the past couple months to go from, yeah, I want to be a speaker to now where you're at?
1: Yeah. So backing up kind of once I made that decision, I worked... I wanted to do two things. I wanted to learn how to be really good at speaking Mm -hmm. and selling that and then how to learn the business side. And I felt like I needed to be able to deliver before I could do the business because I just wanted to have a talk down. So I worked with a mutual friend of ours. I went through some work with them, intensive work, crafted the keynotes, and then started working obviously with the BPS community and Speaker Lab and, and diving into your podcast and content to start putting a system in place. And so for me, the apparel is still there that I still have to manage, but my week is really focused on two things. It's searching for leads, finding leads, carving out time that normally I would have just waited on things to come to me. Mm -hmm. And then secondarily, because I'm still relatively an unknown, I'm I'm quote unquote motivational speaker that never been homeless, never gone through the drug addiction. Like I don't have the crazy stories that a lot of motivational speakers do. I've been looking at, or how do I more that puts my voice, my face, my name, and message out there in ways that I can attract those influencers and decision makers? So it's really that's kind of the last six months have been me outlining plans to one, learn the program and process for outreach that they all developed and y'all teach incredibly well, and in utilizing that going through that list every week, doing those follow-ups, knowing that even in the dog days of summer, there's a lot of people that are just now looking at 2019. And then on the flip side saying, how can I create more content, set it up, run it, video, audio, that's going to be able to market my services and and speaking in a way that isn't a direct sales push. So creating the content that we talk about the messaging and the importance of grit, tenacity, competing to where someone's going to be attracted to that content. But it also gives me almost an online resume for it. And, And really that's, You know, the last three months has been even more so because when I was going through the program and we put in our 50 contacts, we get an additional 50 contacts. I mean, the event was within the next month, month and a half. So I was completely out of luck on getting on a 2018 event and they're not even into their 2018 event. So I can't really pitch them for 2019 until once they get through. So, I was frustrated, like every speaker is, when you're trying to do research and you're just like, I'm hitting walls. I'm not getting leads. I'm not, you know, yeah. nothing's timing's right. So, I decided to look at very proactively how can I start creating content and things? So, when they start searching for me, irrelevant content, I'm there. And so, launching a vlog, launching more with Instagram TV, creating videos and pieces of content that helps people find me while I'm continuing to nurture the leads, as you say, plant the seeds, plant the seeds for the later harvest.
0: Right, right. So I want to come back to that. But one of the things that I think is challenging about where you're at and where a lot of speakers find themselves is your message is on competing, right? And competing with your life, competing with your business and competing on every single day. And that's the type of thing that is, it's a great message, but it also could appeal to a wide variety of people. And so this is where I know I know you've had a little bit of trouble with, and I know a lot of people have a tough time with, of like, hey, I want to speak on like uh, on customer service, right? I want to speak on leadership or sales or these things that are like, they're good topics, but they could appeal to anybody and everybody. And so one of the things that we talk a lot about is really trying to narrow that down. So it's not like, oh, yeah, I can speak on this to that group, or I can speak on that group or that to this group. And I'm trying to speak on... on you know, as wide of a net as possible, but really trying to narrow that down. So what's kind of been that process for you or even kind of the the evolution or iterations that you've made to go from, yeah, I speak on this big, I'm a motivational speaker like everybody else to really trying to narrow that and focus that in.
1: Banging my head constantly against the (laughs) wall. No, I think the the community, uh, Booked and Paid community has been great because I've been able to ask questions and Melanie and yourself have been incredibly great about, you know, what kind of, at the core message, the compete every day is about grit and perseverance and what industries, what jobs, what things build up sales, big entrepreneurship, like there's very targeted niches. And so within sales, who's constantly making calls? What are the types of groups, real estate, uh, pharmaceutical sales. And so niching down off of that by just continually asking questions to not only the community, but me looking at it and saying, okay, sales is broad. How do I niche this down even farther? And the beauty of it is it's helped me on the apparel business because we've always wanted to take that message to everyone. Just like you said, the message can fit. But for us, it's helped us as we continue to refine Facebook ads and target those down because you've got to really niche down the right audience to get the right ROI. So we know with the apparel, the exact fitness demographic on the speaker side, I know specifically who I'm going after in real estate, follow-ups with entrepreneurship, and then pharmaceutical sales. And it's going through my networks, outreaching and just niching down. And then as you get out, you and I've talked about it before, the Trojan horse complex. Like you're talking to people about why grittier employees are better, like why they're more happy, successful in their company. And so when I'm using not my language, but their language that they're already seeking, the other doors start to open. So I'm focusing on sales. I'm doing outreach to sales and you know, entrepreneurship and groups like that, then another group's going to find my content and approach me because it still resonates with them. But I'm not trying to be one to everything. I'm trying to really pitch down there, but it's honestly, it's just asking questions and pulling at almost a yarn and a ball of yarn until you start to see who's responding the best to you. And for me, former athletes and people that for athletes get into those positions and sales, in leadership, that's where I can kind of draw upon more because they immediately connect with that word.
0: Yeah, and so I think that's a great example of starting with big picture, I wanna speak on motivation and I wanna speak on compete and I wanna speak on grit and perseverance and those types of things to go from, yes, that's something that could appeal to everyone to, I want to speak to on to salespeople. Okay, now I want to speak to, you know, realtors or pharmaceutical or people who are who are involved in sales. Okay, now I'm going to take it even a step further. And I'm looking for people who have been involved with athletics in some way who are in those worlds. So again, could appeal to everybody. But by really narrowing it down, then it becomes a lot easier to find those potential people. So I'm curious, I know one of the things that you said was, that some of the processes felt like banging your head against the wall, and one of the things that you've heard us drill into your head and to others is, while that part can be time-consuming, it can be a bit frustrating and discouraging at times. It is so so critical to spend the time doing that versus just saying like, oh, I'm just I'm a motivational speaker, I'm just going to go do my thing, right? So have you like in those moments where you're just like you felt discouraged or you or you felt like you are overthinking it or overanalyzing it? How has it helped to just come back to No no no. I know that if I get this foundational piece right, that a lot of the future steps become a lot simpler.
1: Oh, it's been huge. And I, I've had the conversation with a few other people in the community like you feel like there is literally a veil sitting right in front of your face <laughs> and you're missing something that everybody else knows. Like for some reason it's not clicking or I just don't realize it. Like there's an easy button and I'm just missing it. For some reason I don't see it. And in all reality, it's like you said, like For me, it was one, taking a step back. And when I'm getting frustrated, one, I have to rely on my own brand message. Like I have to be the perfect billboard for grit and resilience and dealing with adversity. Otherwise the brand I, I built wouldn't hold up. But it really was taking a step back Evaluating down in on one niche, and if it's the wrong niche, I can always pivot off of it to another niche. But it's it's a lot easier as as you've pointed out, Melanie pointed out, it's a lot easier for me to go all the way down the rabbit hole with say real estate and realize okay, real estate is not it. The message there's a disconnect when I'm talking to people. But okay, cool. What's another sales path? Because the message with sales still really works. Or when I go talk to a marketing agency. And their activation teams, and we talk about competition, and they really are drawn to it. Okay, is it because of who they are, or do I need to niche down and go after marketing agencies and team development buildings like that? And so, you don't know that unless you go deep enough. It, you can never do that scratching the surface. And so, the way I look at it, and the way I've I've kind of told people is, it's a lot of digging and clawing, and and kind of like a forty nine er digging for gold. Like you're just yeah. striking in an area, hoping you find something, knowing that it's there. And if you don't find it here, you're going to move a few spots over and keep digging and keep digging and keep digging. And then maybe you find something. If not, you move a few steps over. But it's the only way you kind of figure out where that true niche is, where that true audience is. And if it was, it's easy to do, but not everyone will do it. Totally. And so it's really understanding that just because it can be done not everyone will will do it and so the few that do it are the ones that are incredibly successful they've been planting those seeds and been scraping and digging and digging for years and so now it's just ours we're just at the starting point you can't expect to be where Grant was you know 3 years ago
0: right and so i think as a you know as a good example is like you know you you have seen a lot of different speakers as well who may have spoken on one thing and then pivoted to speak on something different. So it's not the type of thing that you need to get perfectly right exactly the first time. And it's the only thing that you'll ever speak on forever and ever and ever. It's just, we're picking a starting point, right? So if you say, hey, I'm going to start with sales and I'm going to start by focusing on realtors, and you get six months or a year down the road, and you decide this isn't for me. Or I want to, instead of speaking to realtors, I've done a few speaking engagements with some other different group, and it resonates, it clicks more there, and I like it better. And you want to start moving that direction. Great. But at this point, we're just trying to pick that starting point and get that narrowed in. And so it sounds like at this point, you're starting to, you've found some of that clarity and starting to build a little bit of momentum there that, that gets the ball rolling.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's the difference between sitting at that starting line forever, hesitating, looking every which direction versus just running and then adjusting. And, And the beauty of the whole process is if you start picking leads and you start going and giving talks and it's not the right audience, you're still refining your craft. You're still getting better at speaking, telling your stories, working on your pauses, your voice inflection, everything about it. So there's still positive benefits of that throughout the process, as long as you're looking at it as opportunities to get better. I mean, I gave a talk two weeks ago, was the wrong audience. Absolute Everything on the outside said, this is the right audience. And then I walked into the room and there's like eight people, which is really small and intimate and does not do well when I'm very emotional and energetic and talking and, and I move and so I had to pivot, I had to adjust, but I didn't realize that until I'm having the conversations. And the beauty is I still got a referral lead out of it from someone that was there that was like, hey, we'd love you to come do this at our bank. Yeah. So you get those, but you don't know until you try and test anything. It's like printing t-shirts. The t-shirt I think I'm going to sell, I, if I print 500 of them, I'm probably going to sell 20 and give away 480 versus the one you're like let's just test this. Let's put, you know, a print online and then you sell thousands of them.
0: Let's make a donut t-shirt.
1: Always.
0: (laughs) So, okay. So I'm curious, like when you're going through that process, especially early on that, again, you're at a point where you're starting to gain some, some traction. What has kept you from quitting? What has kept you? And again, some of it is your own message, your own branding, but there's plenty of speakers who start it. they start going through a process and they're just, like you said, it's not, it's not necessarily hard. Um, but it is a work, right? It's not necessarily rocket science. It's not necessarily overly difficult, but it is, it is discipline. in the same way that like going to the gym on a consistent basis, it's not difficult, but it still requires work. Or if you wanted to lose 20 pounds, like what you need to do is not overly difficult. It just requires work. So what kept you from in the past six months, or as you're building momentum in your speaking business from going like, I like speaking, but this, screw this. Like, this is just too much work. It's not worth it. Like, what kept you from throwing in the towel?
1: Honestly, it's the belief that this is what I'm meant to do, that this is the best way for me to impact people. Having kind of a why and a purpose bigger than my position is the best way to put it. So, that's been the biggest one. The second has been going back and talking to different meeting planners or people that have had me in to speak and just asking them. Why did you choose me? You know, the things that I've already had the conversations with them. Hey, would you still be open to referring me to someone or introducing me here and there? And when meeting planners and other people I've worked with are like, oh, yes, absolutely. Would love for you to you should absolutely go talk to them. Let me do intro. When they're so positive about it, I know that I'm doing the right thing. It's just it's in that planting season. And that's the hardest part. The fortunate part for me, I guess, is the fact that I've had compete for seven years and we're not where I thought we would be in seven years. And it's a longer process and it was a harder grind and build than I ever expected. And so having gone through that on the business side before, this is essentially doing the same thing. I'm just starting another business path. It's humbling, very humbling to go through that process. But the way I I explained it to a mutual friend of ours in, in the community is, you have to look at it like you're off season and you're not able to tell and do really well in season. If you don't put in the work in the off season, if you're not willing to go in when nobody's watching, you're all alone in the weight room and you don't really want to lift weights. It's only by doing that, that you're able to shine later. And so taking that approach paired with Tracy, Tim, who, who's in a group a mutual group with us, she was told, you know, you're just an apprentice. Like you have to consider yourself at this stage in your career as an apprenticeship, that one day you'll be where the Connie Podestas are and the Kerry Wilkerson's and, and you know, the big Mel Robbins, but you have to go through that process. And so when you look at it from that lens of I'm a rookie, I'm still early on. You got to learn that has been the biggest help for me in dealing with that perspective, them getting caught up in how long it's taking because over the course of 10 years, a year and a half, s not really a long time to get things up and moving and going. But in the course of a year and a half, a year and a half feels like a long time.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, and the, uh, I think the offseason analogy is so good because you think about in whatever professional sport, you see people who, you know, people who are coming back from the offseason and people who come back and are like, oh, dang, that person, they've lost 20 or 30 pounds and they look jacked and like clearly they put in the work. And some people who come back and they're like, off season got the best of them, and they're, they're just throwing look, up in the corner. They <laughs> just look like crap, you know, and like, oh, dude, this is not gonna, this is not gonna be a good year for you, right? But it all comes down to the work that was done behind the scenes, and so I don't think like I, I think the the best speakers in the world aren't the best speakers because they have some special talent or ability. It, they just do so much work behind the scenes that ends up translating into ends, ends up translating into results. So I think about like you know our mutual friend. Alan Stein Jr. when he was on the podcast a while back. And he told a good story about he does some uh, has done some basketball coaching does a lot more with corporate stuff now and, and speaking and he have, was able to go to like a kind of a private practice training session with Kobe Bryant. Do you remember the story? Oh, yeah. And so he it was a great story of just like, up at like four in the morning going to this practice and he goes in and Kobe's just, I think he was just working on like footwork drills. Like basic drills. Basic, the stuff you would teach kindergartners on how to do, right? And he's going over it, over it, over it, over it, and over it. And the question that he asked to Kobe Bryant at the time, one of the best basketball players on the planet is just like, you're one of the best basketball players on the planet. Why are you doing this basic kindergarten elementary stuff? And he said, this is why I'm one of the best players on the planet. It's just the, the work that he's putting in behind the scenes that nobody sees. So to what you're doing right now in, in quote unquote the off season of that work behind the scenes that nobody sees, again is planting a lot of the seeds that may feel like I'm doing basic footwork drills right now and it's stupid and it's frustrating and it's annoying. But it's those are the type of things that lead to building that business and building that momentum quicker in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone wants to be the keynote speaker or the best selling author, but no one wants to rehearse or
0: write the book. Right. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Okay. So I'm curious. One of the things that we were talking about a little bit beforehand is you're at a point now where you're, you're building some momentum with speaking, but you're also, you're starting to try a few other things. So you mentioned doing the YouTube video, doing some vlogging, doing Instagram TV to do the podcast. You've got the apparel company, obviously you're thinking about doing some coaching. I'm getting tired saying all of these things now. All right. So what's your thought as you're like, as you're trying a bunch of different things right now?
1: So a lot of it is how can I create relevant content and streamline the process to impact. So the, the vlog, the podcast, the video, I learned a lesson from Dan Martell years ago, if you're familiar with Dan, mm-hmm. but Dan shoots a year's worth of videos in like a week to two weeks. Yeah. And then over the, the way he drips it out is one video released on Monday then on Tuesday, he'll have had it transcribed. He'll send it out in an email newsletter. Wednesday, he may take the audio version, release it as a podcast. Thursday, he's got it. It's going on Medium. And Friday, it's LinkedIn, Facebook, something else. So one piece of content gets him an entire week. So for me, it was it's batching content. So when I shoot an Instagram TV video, I've got two cameras working. So I have a YouTube video, one angle. I have a tall one for Instagram TV. I'm then going to pull the audio and use it on podcast. If I want to transcribe it for a blog post, I can. So all of those pieces of content are distributed knowing that for me to market myself, my message, my speaking, I need to go where the consumer is. And I don't need to create a different piece of content for Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I just need to format it for it. So... That has been kind of, as we talked about earlier, six months ago, how do I market myself in the slow season? Mm-hmm. And so that's really been the way I've had people in a mastermind tell me for two years, I need to get on video more, which one would help the speaking and seeing that I can handle myself talking to camera and just who I am and how I talk and tell stories. But additionally, like it just helps sell the brand message and different aspects of connecting me as a human. And so that's kind of what launched the blog. But a lot of that content, as I've recorded and talked through things, I pull out and use in podcasts and everywhere else. So all of that is really streamlined. The coaching is kind of the entity that's set out here to the side that we've looked at for a year. I mean, I laugh because back 10 years ago, I looked to go into coaching. Uh, When I left kind of the agent representation world, I was getting high school certified to be a high school coach. I was talking with some colleges about being an unpaid scrub GA yeah. ultimately decided to go a different route, but coaching has appealed to me. And so it becomes something that ties everything together. It ties because you have a lot of speakers that also coach and consult yep. and you have, you know, that becomes an interesting platform to where you have the online courses. The apparel piece becomes really the unique one for, for me, because that was the platform that has launched everything else. And so it's something we're exploring very soft because like you said, I don't want to overburden myself with right. too much to where I do everything poorly, but it is an off season right now. And so while I'm sending out pitches every week and call for speakers and outreach and follow up, but I'm not traveling to go speak. My keynote is still my keynote right now. I can rehearse it once a week, twice a week. It's still the same content. So I'm always fresh, but I have extra bandwidth. So while yeah. I'm having this extra bandwidth, I need to be creating content that markets me, my speaking business, my programs, and the coaching just kind of layers all of that into where they really tie in. And I'm seeing more as just, Hayes, an entrepreneur who also speaks, but he can also do a workshop for us or yeah. he can work with some of our team members as well.
0: So I'm curious then for, and you've heard us talk about this before, but we always tell speakers that you can do it all. You just can't do it all at once. And so, yes, you're you're correct that there are speakers who, yes, they speak, but they also have a book and they have a course and they have a podcast and they have a blog and they have a... YouTube channel, and they do coaching and consulting, and they do all the things, but they they can't do them all at once. So you're in a spot where I think a lot of speakers are where a lot of those things do appeal to us because you have a message to share. And speaking is just one methodology of how you could share that, you know, it could also be a book, it could also be coaching, it could also be apparel, right, of how you share that message. So how do you balance picking which path to choose? that you think is going to be most effective without spreading yourself too thin where you feel like I'm trying to be Bo Jackson and play all the sports at the same time, which is very, very difficult to pull off.
1: Yeah. Everything's seasonal. So I did consulting for a big client in Dallas for a while, marketing consulting, mm-hmm. and I was spread way too thin managing. it. And what I had to do was put some of the speaking outreach on the backside. Yep. I only took leads that were inbound. As soon as that ended and I left in April, May was start getting back into building the speaking, working with you guys as well. But I start batching stuff. So I spent the month of June creating content that lasts me through the end of the year. My podcast outside of one recording tomorrow. My podcast is recorded through January uh, or into January of next year. So all I have to do is give it to my team to schedule and and run. So it's done. Heavy lifting's done. Now on the vlogging, the Insta videos, it's picking a day once a month and recording six, two to five minute video clips, having them set, dropping them into Adobe Premiere, and then they roll. So batching for me has worked really well. I started a couple years ago, but I themed my days. So Mondays for me are essentially CED days. So I'm checking our operations, checking in with our team, reviewing apparel. Tuesdays were always speaking days. And so that is reviewing my keynote, working on a section of it researching stories to see if there's additional research or if there's a new story that I can integrate in, as well as outreach and follow-ups. Wednesdays, were podcasting content news. How can I create content? So batching things really helped me because it, it shrinks the amount of time I have available to do something and forces me to get it done in that window.
0: Yeah. So at this point, as you're building your speaking career, what do you envision like the next couple of years look like? Like where do you see speaking fitting into with everything else you got going? Where do you see speaking fitting into it all?
1: Yeah, really transitioning my goals we we talked offline. My goal next year is 60 gigs. Uh, really keeping that for about 2 years. Uh, yeah. growing it if it if it goes up with the thought process of a book I've been working on being able to release that end of 2019, early 2020, to capture on that momentum of speaking. If I'm constantly out there speaking, I'm able to use that wave and momentum with the launch of a book. Like a lot of authors, you usually speak on a book for two years before you have to write another book. But for me, my goal is transitioning out of running Compete Every Day and also speaking to being known as a speaker and thought leader on grit and resilience Mm -hmm. that also, by the way, is connected with Compete Every Day and, and some other things. So that's really where I'm trying to take it just because I believe that's where I can make the most impact and influence from people is from stages, from workshops, from shows and doing that. And so really our whole team, even on the apparel team, they understand where that messaging is. Everyone's kind of on the same page that this really allows us to position not only me, but the entire compete every message in a different field than other brands out there.
0: Yeah. So let's go back to one of the things we talked about earlier. and We'll wrap up with this. So for someone who's listening right now going, okay, I'm at some stage of my speaking business. And I feel some of that discouragement. I feel some of that grind. I feel some of that off season right now. I'm trying to press through. I'm trying to wait for the season to show up for opening day to be here. It can be discouraging and it can be frustrating. And it, I can be second guessing and wondering if I have what it takes or if this is worth the effort or energy. So what would you say to, to that speaker?
1: There's two things I would I would say to them. The first is if you've ever played golf. I love to play golf. I'm the worst golfer in the world. Worst golfer. <laughs> I could take, give me 36 holes, two two rounds through. I'm going to hit one good shot. Yeah. One. But that one good shot is going to make me feel good enough that mm. I'm going to come back. Keeps you coming back. And so you just, you keep swinging. You keep hitting in the bush, in the, in the pond, off a tree. You hit a person, you yell four. But you hit one clean shot down the fairway and you feel good. And it gives you enough to keep going and build on. And so what I would say is to anyone, if you're frustrated and you're not feeling like you're getting any traction, start tracking every small win. If you're not getting people to respond and someone responds back to you, even if it's a rejection, they respond. That's a win. You're getting someone to respond to you. How do I build on that? And then slowly but surely. And and the other the biggest piece that I'll say is from my own experience with writing my book. If you quit now you'll never know but the longer right. you wait in starting and continuing and to keep knocking the longer you're going to have to wait to succeed so the longer i put off starting to write my book the longer i have to wait till the book is actually done yeah and so if i'd started three years ago the book would already be done it would be out instead i'm thinking man i wish i'd started three years ago but right. i got to start now and got to keep writing so just understand you're planning you're working that offseason. It's not easy, it's not fun, um, but if you understand why you're doing it, if you have that calling, that reason, that message that's so ingrained in your heart of why you need to share it, why other people have to hear it, why it's so paramount they hear it, then just focus on that glory throughout that grind and you're willing to get through the whole thing.
0: The glory through the grind, very well said. You should put that in that keynote.
1: Oh. It is, It, <laughs> it may is. already be
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, we appreciate the time. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to, check out some of your apparel, where can we go?
1: Dude, easiest place to connect with us is competeeveryday.com. Uh, and then my website is jakeathompson.com.
0: Jake A. Thompson. Is Jake Thompson taken?
1: Jake Thompson was taken. The guy's not even using the website. He's so mad. Did you reach out to him? I have gotten no response, tried twice. So I'm still working on an avenue, but we threw in the middle initial just to be safe.
0: All right, that'll work for now. A good buddy of mine, he has been trying to get his name for years. Hadn't hadn't been able to get, nobody's responded. The guy's not using the site. The guy finally responded the other day. So don't lose hope, don't give up. There you go. Keep competing, my friend. (laughs) All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jake Thompson. Again, if you are uh, interested in checking out our free database of uh, events that are looking for speakers just like you, make sure you stop by and check out agent. You can find that over at myspeakeragent.com. Again, that is myspeakeragent.com. All right, boys and girls, that wraps up episode 205. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.